This is Dr. What, Dr. Where, Stories of Rural Medicine. It's the podcast exploring what it's like to further your training and practice medicine in regional Victoria. Managing a health service is a lot like any large organisation. It takes expertise and committed people to keep everything running as smoothly as possible. Medical administrators come from all areas of healthcare and management, as well as every stage of career. Some doctors get into administration after decades of clinical work, and others seek it out from the beginning. No matter what point you're at in your career, there's no shortage of administrative opportunities out there in regional Australia. They can be harder to find than the more defined specialist pathways. Dr. Jake Bray-Butler says the administrative work he has taken on throughout his studies and early years as a doctor took some time to discover. Dr. Butler is currently an HMO at Bendigo Health and was part of Monash Rural Health's extended rural cohort. Administration wasn't part of his original plan when starting medical school, but his interest in administration grew as he took opportunities in this space. Um, I don't think anything of my my career to date has really been all that planned. Um, I certainly preferred uh, training in the country. I think I was happy to to get into whichever element of the course I did. Coming from a rural area, growing up, I I suppose I do prefer living in in rural areas anyway. So um, the lifestyle certainly is a a big thing for me. And uh, being able to complete the training in a rural area was a a big tick. I think that uh, I was very lucky for all the opportunities I had here. And uh, I think a lot of people probably aren't aware of those opportunities to start with. And sometimes that's sort of... Uh, are lucky enough to be sent here anyway, but I was lucky that I chose to come here and, and got to experience it with the mindset from the get-go, I suppose. You've mentioned that a lot of stuff with your career hasn't necessarily gone to plan, and I'm I'm guessing medical administration wasn't the first thing you thought of when you thought of getting into a career in medicine. Uh, no, definitely not. Uh, when I got into medicine, or before I did get in, I was hoping to um, become a rural GP and get back to the country and yeah, become a GP. But uh, that obviously hasn't been the, the plan for uh, a long time now. And sort of within a couple of years of doing uni, I think I became interested in other things pretty quickly. Was getting exposed to a wide range of different medicine as well as different opportunities during your study and training a big factor in that? Um, I suppose it was a lot more to do with my attitude, I suppose, towards it. And I think I stumbled across MedAdmin in perhaps the, the wrong way. In early days of uni, I certainly didn't enjoy a lot of it and had thoughts of you know, quitting medicine and doing something else completely different. And I still have thoughts of doing things completely different, even still, but it's something I've, I've stuck with so far. But it was in second year, I was speaking to one of my tutors about this and mentioned that I was sort of struggling with the course and not really enjoying all, all that much of it. Um, and she asked if I'd sort of considered anything that was uh, less clinical. And I hadn't really heard of that before or thought about it previously. Um, and she sort of mentioned well, medical administration is something that people can, can move into. And it's a you know, genuine career path and I should, should look into it some more. And the more I looked into it, the more I thought, oh, that sounds pretty good. Um, and then as I've gone through my studies, I've come to appreciate the, the clinical side of medicine a bit more and still think MedAdmin is uh, something I'm definitely interested in. Um, but I suppose looking to get more of a clinical experience before I move into that area at this stage. And what's it been like getting across those administrative opportunities during your training? It's not something a lot of people are aware of, I suppose, in the first instance, which is good because there's not a lot of competition, I suppose, to, to get access to these opportunities. But the difficulty is actually finding them, I suppose, because it isn't something that is that popular. So um, it's not as widely advertised as perhaps a lot of the more common, more popular specialties. Certainly when I've asked people about it in the past, they've sort of given me a funny look and asked, you know, why am I why am I asking about that? What am I interested in that for? And 
that's the dark side of medicine. We don't go there. But if you look hard enough and um, you're persistent enough, there are plenty of opportunities out there and usually people in med have been enrolled are very happy to have younger people interested in, in that sort of thing and more happy to have them on board to help out with projects. And you know, there's a recognition that there's an important role to play for, for younger people who have got a different perspective, I suppose, on things uh, compared to people who've been in the game for a lot longer. It wasn't probably until third or fourth year that I started to you know, become a bit more active, I suppose, in you know, seeking out these opportunities. And it's just, I suppose, initially trying to get a bit more of an understanding about what the whole thing was about. And a lot of that was um, self-directed, um, I suppose, because as I said before, there aren't a lot of published opportunities, I suppose, out there for feeders to get involved with. Um, but the more you start talking to people, the more you realise there are lots of little projects going on behind the scenes and they're always happy for other people to get involved. So I suppose that's how I sort of started out, um, just asking around and eventually found something I was interested in, in perhaps getting involved with. And I think that was solidified when I went to an event run by our MUMIS Undergraduate Society for Students. Um, it was basically an alternative careers in medicine forum. You know, once you got into those roles, what was the experience like? Oh, I really enjoyed it. It's a, an aspect of medicine that you don't often get to see, certainly through university. Um, and I suppose you're exposed a little bit once you do start working, but even then it's a, a bit of a niche area, I suppose. Coming at this from a younger age, it would provide a bit of a different perspective than a lot of the more established uh, people in administration. Uh, yeah, I think um, in some degree it's probably a, a more naive perspective, but I don't think that's always a bad thing. What does the future look like for you moving forward in medical admin as well as different aspects of your training? Yeah, so as I mentioned before, I think I'm, um, I'm pretty keen to get some more clinical experience because I think that's um, a very important part of med admin is sort of understanding how the hospital works from the front line, I suppose, um, because without that understanding, you can't, at least not very easily, understand what it's like for people, you know, working on the wards and working in ED and, and that sort of thing. So um, in the short term, I certainly want to gain some more clinical experience. Um, but at the same time, I still want to be involved with a lot of the, you know, MedAdmin projects. And um, at the moment, the coronavirus is obviously, you know, the forefront of everyone's minds, and there's lots of opportunities there to, to get involved with, you know, planning uh, the response to that. And I think, you know, those sort of opportunities, you sort of just got to grab them as they come up because you never know what you're going to learn from them. I think moving forward, probably just trying to get a bit of exposure in both clinical and non-clinical areas and eventually transition more into the, the non-clinical role. And is there any advice you would have for anyone that's looking into a career in medical admin or even just, you know, potentially trying the more administrative side of things? Be open-minded. Um, a lot of people will probably tell you that it's uh, not a good idea. I think that mindset is changing and the, the more people I speak to, the more I find that the, there's a new attitude, I suppose, towards it. And it's not necessarily seen as a bad thing uh, like it maybe used to be. Um, but just get in, get in there and give it a go. You might find something you really enjoy doing that's not really advertised widely. And the other advice, I suppose, is just to get involved in a lot of the growing groups on Facebook and that sort of thing, which support doctors who are looking to you know, explore careers that aren't perhaps as clinical. Creative careers in medicine is one that springs to mind as a very large you know, online community that will uh, uh, gladly answer any questions anyone has about sort of wide-ranging um, careers. And uh, often a lot of people who have done various things in their, their careers are more than happy to mentor people as well. So just got to seek out the opportunities and take them. For anyone interested in checking out the Facebook group that Dr. Butler mentioned, Creative Careers in Medicine, there'll be a link in the episode show notes. Regional clinicians often become a part of the community they're in. The public are usually supportive of their local health service and welcome regional doctors as one of their own. This paradigm generally removes the level of anonymity doctors can achieve in larger metropolitan centres. 
Diana Badcock is the Acting Chief Medical Officer at Benigo Health and has come into this role from an emergency medicine background, working in other administrative roles along the way. She welcomes this overlap of professional and personal life, becoming not just an administrator of the town's hospital, but a part of the community. And with this, all the accountability and responsiveness needed to make the health service work for locals. The biggest thing about running any department, any clinical department in a small town, is that it's about the people as much as it is the, the medicine that they're providing. And so people have to become quite comfortable with themselves and the service they provide. And when they need to call for help or when they need to ask for help from St Elsewhere. So I think everyone within a, a small community has to understand the capacity of that community and not actually take any of it personally when things don't go the way you imagine they should. And when they don't go the way you imagine they should, or even when they do, you've got to own it in a small town because the people that you see and treat, they are your neighbours, they are your your son's soccer coach, and they are the person you're going to see in Cole's supermarket. So all of these people you see and become part of your life. So never really before is it so important to realise that you are serving your community. That changes the role that you play as a doctor in the community because your job doesn't finish up once you leave the hospital. No, and so if you turn the clock back, it is it is more like the old-fashioned concept that to be a doctor, it was a vocation. It wasn't just a job. It, it, it becomes your life. And depending on what specialty you do depends on how much it becomes your life. Probably there's a few specialties where you can turn off and on the clock a bit. Um, uh, you come, you provide a service and you go away. And to a degree you can do that in emergency. You can come, do your shift and walk away. But really the more rural you become, regional, rural, the more remote, the more the, there's an overlap of your personal and your professional life. And therefore you have to realise that people do know who you are and they probably know more about your life than you know about your life. <laughs> and you hear the most amazing things about when you're going to retire and you didn't even know you were planning on retiring. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you have to embrace that and enjoy that. I was born and brought up in Cambridge, a very big city, and went to medical school in London. But very much uh, when we were, my husband and I were working in Hong Kong, and he said, Where do you want to work in Australia? I said, The country. I always wanted to work in the country. To me, my impression of life is if you have to hide behind a big organisation or a big structure of a city where you're lost. To me, that there's not much sort of pride or ownership in self. I'm very happy to be held accountable and to be visible. But it's, you know, horses for courses. And my husband and I have always said, don't come to the country unless you want to work hard 
and actually it's not just about working hard, it's also about wanting to be here and the people who you love and care about have to be here, want, want to be here. So people who split their lives, it sometimes works but not for long and it doesn't really work if both partners don't want to be there. So it's important that, in my mind, that it isn't just one person wanting to come to the country because the case mix is good, and, and that is the pull for the professional. A doctor knows, if they've done training in the country, that they know they're going to see a huge selection of diseases, a huge cross mix of conditions and they'll be able to push themselves above and beyond where they would be able to go if they were in a bigger, um, more nameless, faceless organisation. But really, that's not enough. If the, if the support that keeps your mental and physical well-being together isn't there for you, you need the whole package You've managed to cover off a wide range of different roles, particularly in emergency medicine, but now you're shifting towards medical administration as well? Yeah, and I did I did do a little stint of chief medical informatics officer because I really do believe in IT is the way forward in health, but the timing wasn't right for the, the place I did that work. So I did that for a year, um, and I think... You know, it's okay to fail at things, you know, if walking away from a job after a year is a failure. I think in life, a lot of people talk about their successes and tend not to talk about their failures. But if you have a go at something and it doesn't work out because it's not right for you or the organisation at that time, that's all right. You learn and hopefully you both learn as long as you keep yourself nice. <laughs> what so often happens is we look for accountability and rather than hold ourselves accountable, we hold some uh, you know, other thing often a person or sometimes an organisation responsible but actually we're all on a journey and we're growing and so as long as you keep yourself nice you can you know dab your toe in the water of something and then go oh actually no that's not for me at this point in time and and pull back and when I was doing emergency medicine on the coalface on the shop floor I thought that was the best role but now I, I feel that the job gave me so much information about the whole healthcare system and the degree to which health is in this wicked mess. It's in a massive, complicated, convoluted mess where the politicians aren't going to say what needs to be said because it's not a politically smart move. The individual isn't necessarily going to come up with the answer because it doesn't help them. And yet together we've got to move in a direction that gets us out of this muddle because health's in a muddle we've got never before has so many people asked for so much and we can't deliver it we can't deliver this perfect life perfect health perfect world here now and I'm entitled to it 
that the actual media and the population uh, expect, and yet it's not politically favourable to say, do you know what? We've got it wrong in health. We've taken this paternalistic attitude that you come to me, I'm the doctor, I'm going to tell you what you're going to have done to you, and then you're just going to be passive in this journey. We've got to give the ownership back to the patient and a realistic look at what healthcare means moving forward in this century and they have to own it because if you ask most people what do you want in your life they want to be independent and capable and when they're not where if they're incapacitated to a certain degree, most people think that life's then ended. And yet what we've done is because we can, we do. And now we've got a big problem with a lot of people who really wouldn't rather not be here. That is my honest opinion. And so now... I believe in the admin and exec and strategic line of health is where my voice and the the skills that I've learned about so many different areas of healthcare are the most important. Whereas when I first went back to work, it was all about looking after the patient in front of me because that patient made me feel good when I made them feel good. So I've just completely changed in what I I believe is my calling, if you like, or my vocation from moving away from operational to more strategic. Mind you, it doesn't mean to say they're going to listen, but I'll try. It sounds like the the role of a medical administrator is quite different to a clinical role. A lot of people in health fall into these leadership roles, but they continue to be too operational. They don't see that their role is the meat in the sandwich, that actually they've got to learn authentic leadership. How do I be true to myself, whereas I've got to present a certain issue to the people who are working operationally and maybe a different face and tell it slightly differently to the people who are creating the strategy? But the, the medical mind hasn't learnt the land of business. Um, they're two, they're worlds apart. And, uh, you know, I can tell you from personal experience that most, uh, although, you know, the, the Stephen Duckett and the likes would like to call greedy doctors, that's 1%, the majority of doctors have got no idea about money, no idea about business, and actually would lose far more money than they ever gain because they've got actually no accountancy concepts in their head at all. So it's actually bringing those two worlds together, being the, the translator, the optimist, the, um, the enthusiast, the, the creative person, the slightly mad, offbeat person who is um, a bit of a disruptor, but someone who can cope with the knockbacks, if you like. That's what the medical and administrative workplace looks like or feels like to me. I don't know whether that's right or not, but that's how I see it. Heading north to Swan Hill, their local health service has been working hard to get more healthcare workers to the town. Swan Hill District Health's Director of Medical Services, Dr Rex Pius Prabhu, replaced their previous DMS, who worked across multiple services. With all his attention focused on Swan Hill, 
Dr. Prabhu can look towards building strategic directions and growing the health service. Swan Hill District Health had gone through a cultural change. They realized that they've come to a point where they required a strong leader to attract professionals and to build our workforce as well as provide us a strategic direction in what our health service needs to achieve. Uh, there was a footprint of master planning going on to build a new hospital. And when you say you want to build a new hospital and service, it starts with the workforce. You need more nurses, you need more doctors. And uh, how better can you achieve that than with a professional in the stream who knows how the stream is in terms of attracting professionals to work and live in the country? as well as the challenges of uh, professional isolation and all of that to be mindful of how one develops themselves, gets their professional development while uh, managing a busy service. That has borne fruits here in Swan Hill. I was part of a campaign from the city council called Dream Swan Hill, um, which has widely been taken up in social media and actually attracted two professionals to actually come and say, look, we're interested to move to Swan Hill, what do you have to offer? And also I use the campaign uh, in all our recruitment for uh, both junior and senior doctors. So I think it's good to see a place grow over time and to actually see the vision for the workforce and for the strategic plan slowly falling in place, which is a part of the bigger picture to actually attract students to actually start doing their rotations here in Swan Hill, then coming back as interns, uh, working, and if they're interested in the GP pathways, they get those opportunities to train here and also, you know, build a life around Swan Hill. So that's the big piece of the puzzle to put that all into one health service. And the uniqueness of working in Swan Hill is that beauty of seeing the patient in the community, looking after them when they become sick acutely and come into hospital and then following up back again in the general practice, which gives them that complete loop of public health, which few services hardly provide. So when you're working in a tertiary hospital, you look after them for a few days and you do not know what happens to them next. But in Swan Hill, you see them through the acute journey. They come back to you in in general practice, and you actually develop that long-standing relationship with the patient. You mentioned a couple of things to do with the professional isolation, as well as attracting the workforce here and the sort of lifestyle that surrounds rural medicine. These sound like quite unique aspects to being a medical administration officer mm -hmm. in a hospital. Mm -hmm. It's about knowing the needs of your workforce, identifying that we are all human. Um, we've got our needs. We come and work eight hours in the health service or 10 hours in the health service, but we've got 16 hours that we spend at home. So that's having that mindfulness around uh, work-life balance, having that mindfulness, knowing that one has to spend time you know, professionally to spend time in conferences and CPDs to actually gain better knowledge of what's going on, what are the new domains of practice, and actually as an administrator advocating for our doctors to actually get that time off uh, while running a 24-7 service. So advocating to have service delivery on one side, but also managing education and professional growth on the other side. So being a full-time medical administrator, I think I bring value uh, to the voice on the executive table where 
I'm the only doctor and you've got people from different backgrounds, I become that voice to advocate for my practitioners. So I think um, as a medical administrator, you bring a lot of change. So each policy that I write or each policy that I endorse actually impacts thousands of people that come through my doors. So I see that as a key point in my practice in medical administration. The focus of looking at doctors' lives outside of the hospital would make you a bit more of an effective administrator as well. I think so. Meeting up with my practitioners in the shopping mall, you know, asking them how you're going on Sunday, what's happening, gives me that perspective of um, knowing them uh, not just as a professional but as, as a colleague, as a neighbour, as a friend within the spheres of clinical practice and actually gives me an idea and perspective of, you know, um, Dr. X has has to now attend an ALS that he's not attended for two years. So I think it's time he needs to refresh his course and come back, which adds value to his care that he provides to Swan Hill District Health. Have you always considered medical administration as a career pathway? My career pathway to medical administration was very unique. Um, after I finished my pre-vocational years, I decided to undertake a Master's of Health Management and that was just a trigger from wanting to know the subject. And then when I undertook uh, my Master's degree, it was a two-year program, I was a little bit bogged down on the time because I started on doing it part-time for a few years and I was thinking to myself, oh, it's going to take me four years to do it part-time. I might as well do some summer subjects and go full-time. Um, I then decided to go full-time for a year and then I, I was finding myself, oh, God, you know, I've got to pay so much of hex back and I don't want to have a debt at the end of this master's program. So I decided to take up a part-time role as a drug and alcohol team leader in, uh, in Sydney. And that gave me a taste of being a team leader, gave me a taste of uh, management in general. And then I came back to work for a couple of more years in, in general medicine as a medical registrar. And I thought to myself, oh, I've got these skills and, and the acumen. I just have to apply uh, it to medical workforce and doctors in general. And there was a position that I applied for in Sydney as the assistant director uh, at Manly and Monavale. And I got accepted into the uh, college training last year with that role. And that's where my career in medical administration uh, took off. And uh, it's been a year since I moved from Sydney and I've taken up the role here as the Executive Director of Medical Services. So that's that's the broad, it's a complex, long journey, <laughs> but it's quite unique in the sense of the struggles of going through a full-time degree and then um, how your mindset changes towards uh, management. How have you found working here in Swan Hill as the DMS? I think initially I had a few challenges in terms of workforce and issues with governance and all of that. And I think when you come to an organization, you, you see an organization with a new set of eyes. It's like seeing a patient in a med call. You come out from emergency department and you've got a new set of eyes on the organization. And so the organization, the health services had grown. However, the workforce had not caught up to what the demand of the organization were. And also opportunities that were easily accessible uh, were not taken up readily. So I had a map. I, I sat down 
talked to stakeholders, both internal and external, networked with directors on both sides at different hospitals around the region uh, to get a feel of what the region is and what the challenges of the region are in terms of attracting providing training opportunities and all of that. And then I put down together a roadmap of where Swan Hill has to move to in order to uh, catch up with the bigger scope of service delivery. So that's been achieved to a, a big extent. And now my focus is now at strengthening the rural generalist pathways as well as preparing Swan Hill for, for the 2021 um, you know, fifth year program that we want to achieve. What would you say to someone who's considering medical administration as a specialty? It's a very good journey. If you've got the ambition to understand risk management, so as medical administrators, I say we manage risk in a different perspective. We manage reputational risks that comes from clinical care. We manage risks of uh, uh, performance of individuals. We manage financial risks, especially um, when you've got limited resources and you've got to use them wisely, uh, set priorities. It challenges. Every day is a unique day. Um, you get in, uh, you know, different personalities coming to you, trying to get ideas. You become the leader in terms of medical legal management, you know, good conversations. And at the bottom of it, you're the change champion to build good culture. And if you're able to develop relationships, then you know, you're, you know, you can be a good medical administrator. So there are some personal attributes that one uh, needs to know if they're capable to manage pressure because you will have 55 emails a day. Uh, some days are busier than others. And also manage time really well because you will be called in to address various issues that are ongoing in the health service. And, and I think if you can manage your time really well, which doctors are really good at, you've got an opportunity to make a difference. What are some highlights of being the DMS here in Swan Hill? I think... Um, for me, being a part of the campaign, Dream Swan Hill campaign, which was a big media campaign to attract professionals and actually getting my agenda through the city council was a, was a big achievement because I was able to piggyback on somebody else's resources, but actually drive my agenda for attracting talent to Swan Hill was a big achievement this year. The recruitment of a full-time physician in Swan Hill, which was a big thing. We've never had a physician full-time in Swan Hill from the time Swan Hill District Hospital existed. So having a person coming and living in Swan Hill uh, was great. We've now achieved that. We now have a full-time uh, rural generalist in our emergency department. So we're slowly building a strong workforce and we're building opportunities around them. The other opportunity that I got was speaking about voluntary assisted dying. Um, and I was interviewed about uh, Swan Hill preparedness for voluntary assisted dying when it first came across in Victoria. So I think some of the hallmarks of uh, the work that I've done till date, yeah. Mm. I would like to um, you know, probably provide an opportunity to uh, young budding students and interns and junior doctors if they want to come down to Swan Hill um, you know just send me an email and we'd like to see you and show you around what we have to offer and provide a career pathway if, if that 
in your if your general practice interests you especially with something to do with hospital work as well as clinic work and kind of extended skills that we can offer thanks to our guests for taking the time to discuss their work and thank you for listening you can find out more about the studying and training opportunities across regional victoria by visiting monash.edu forward slash medicine forward slash srh This episode was part of a series of conversations with doctors in regional Victoria. There's more episodes available, including an episode about the growing field of regional medical research. Find us on your podcast app of choice, and if you're enjoying the series so far, give us a five-star rating. It helps us reach more people looking at a career in rural medicine. The Northwest Victoria and Gippsland Regional Training Hubs have commissioned this podcast to help medical students and junior doctors learn more about training and practising medicine in regional Australia. There are hubs all across the country. To find out where your nearest regional training hub is, visit the link in the episode show notes or just search regional training hubs. And finally, this podcast was brought to you by Monash Rural Health, presented by Patrick Laverick, that's me, and it was made possible by funding from the Rural Health Multidisciplinary Training Program at the Commonwealth Department of Health.